You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and we have another preview for um, the Scottish Women National Team. Big games coming up this weekend against Ukraine on Friday and Spain on Tuesday. And I'm delighted to be joined by two experts of the women's game. First of all, um, Chris um, from Leading Line Podcast, back on for a second time, this time as a guest, not a host. Thanks very much for coming on again, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, no worries at all. Um, happy to be here. Talk, talk about the women's national team. Big into that, so that's all good. Exactly. Well, this is, this is the second time you stood in for, well, the first time it was stepping in for me, now you're stepping in for um, a guess who, for various reasons couldn't make it so thank you again and another one that's coming on um the author of the arrival book which details the story about the women's team who qualify for the 2019 world cup um stephen lother th- stephen thank you for coming on how are you i'm very well thank you for having me on looking yeah, forward to another another week of uh, international football yeah, exactly. I mean, we're just getting over what's been happening with the men's and um, then the women's um, games back up. It's um, very exciting times. Um, the last game um, that we played, um, we were playing against Hungary. Um, it was a bit of a slog, as it turned out to be um, a late Rachel Corsi um, goal winning the game. But Chris, start with you. I mean, at times it was not looking convincing, especially the second half. It was a it was a funny game because I think in the first half we, we dominated and we created a lot of chances, but the Hungarian goalkeeper um had was on for a bit of a stormer and then we got a goal and we went one 0 up and I think going a one 0 up um, as we did, I thought oh, that that'll kind of settle the nerves. But you're right, second half second half had a bit of the echoes of the first half. This is going to get complicated, or the first half of the game in Budapest uh, where we played Hungary, where Hungary put themselves on the front foot a bit more, pressed us, didn't let us have some time on the ball, and obviously then they they got that goal. But do you know what? See for... Uh, I'm, I'm going to regret saying this, but see see for all the, the two and four in that game, it was some buzz to um, get that that moment where Rachel Corsi scoring that, that winner towards the end of the game, having experienced something very similar uh, with, with the Scotland-Israel game uh, not that many days beforehand. Yeah, we like a late winner at Hamden. Um, I mean, Stephen, it, as we said, it was um, a, a difficult night. And um, I think one thing that we could probably learn is when not to play it from the back, because that's where the um, the hungry goal came from. And, you know, I suppose the worry um, is that we're coming up against two tougher opposition this week. Um, but again, they showed great resilience, you know, knowing it wasn't their best performance, but the sign of a good team that they dug out the win. Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately the wins everything in these in these qualifiers, and you know, it's kind of you sort of the three points are now bagged, so you kind of forget how how we sort of got there. But no, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't easy, I guess. Although I think Scotland were the were the the stronger team, but I guess it was just that getting over the line. So I mean, there's there's two ways you can look at it. It's sort of pessimistic. Well, it was a slog, and we kind of just just squeaked over the line, or. Actually, the, to me, I think we got the win. We got the three points, and that sort of kept us kept us moving along. I think in terms of where we want to be in this group and what we're trying to achieve, you know. And do you think you know Pedro Martinez Luz is still obviously trying to get um, used to his squad as well? Because you got to remember, he didn't come into what was it um, late July. He said no friendlies to work with. He was thrown straight into two qualifiers in September, and then another qualifier and a tough friendly against Sweden, which um, will obviously 
um, I think is going to be good practice for the Spain game. So it's, um, you know, he's not had um, an, you know, an easy jump in, but, you know, maybe the opponents that we've had have maybe um, allowed him to bed his ideas in place. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the fixtures have been fairly kind to us in that in that sense, and that you know that Spain was kind of a bit further down the line. I mean, I think, I think a couple of things. I mean, I think he obviously is new in the job and is getting to know the players, and the players are getting to know him. And I think also it's a kind of it is also a kind of transition phase for Scotland. I think you know there's been a lot of big characters that are sort of no longer in that dressing room. You know, your Haley Lauders and Leanne Crichton, Joe Love, people like that. And then obviously, for a different reason, Kim Little, you know, I think. So there's a there's a new, I guess, try to find a new way of playing, bringing in new players and trying to get that sort of balance in the way they play. And I think, you know, ultimately, I guess you can look at those first three fixtures as try and do that, try and get the nine points or the 12 points if you include the Ukraine game. And I think, you know, kind of so far so good on that. You know, it's, I still think it is a, a work in progress there and it has a bit of a feel of that as well. It definitely is a work in progress, Chris, but as um, you know, Stephen's elusive, we, we've taken the nine points. We've got a good one at Hungary to start off with. We hammered um, the Fair Islands 7-1, um, and then, we, yeah, it was a tough one against Hungary last time, but bottom line is nine points at a nine, and if we're going to be you know, in this second place, at least you know, those points are, are valuable at this stage. Yeah, the, the target will be 12 points from 12 from these opening four games. Whether that is a spoken target or not, I don't know, but I think it, I think it should definitely should be the target. I think that, um, Stephen made a good point about the, the changing dynamics within the squad as well. That the, the the moving on of some of the more experienced players. I mean, Haley Lauder still eligible for selection is one of the questions that Pedro was asked when he announced the squad as well. But they are big characters in in that squad, and it's not a squad shy of characters. I think we, I think we know that just from kind of watching some of the interactions that we see on a at camps and even in our own social media channels and things like that as well. But I think I think the big thing for me is it, it does feel like the mood has lifted. It, it felt like towards the end of the, the last qualifying campaign, for whatever reason, things things felt like they were a bit of, a bit of a spiral. We were weren't in a great place. We played the played the friendlies with the with Stuart McLaren in charge of to kind of get us through a, a period before Pedro Martinez also came in. And I think since then, it's, it's certainly been positive. I've definitely noticed that an upturn in tone and I've spoke to players and, and Pedro as well. It's obviously quite a positive chap in, uh, in my interactions with him so far. So, yeah, I think I think there are things he is implementing. I, I know you've referenced the, the passing out the back. I think that's here to stay. So I think that's uh, that's very much part of Pedro Martinez's style. And I think you saw that even in the family against Sweden. Again, it, it works sometimes and other times it doesn't. I think that's a jeopardy you play with that that style of football. But when it does work, it looks really cool and it, it can get you out of poles. But yeah, I think in, in terms of the qualifying, nine points out of nine is, as Stephen said, three points is all you matter, matter at the end of the day. And if, if we can get these three points on Friday, it puts us in such a strong position going into this. Basically, these four games are going to define how our, how our qualifying campaign is going to pan out now. Um, Stephen, Chris um, touches on the positivity um, that's been brought by um, the appointment, um, but also there's the fact that the girls are now playing at Hamden, and we've went from 4,500, or around about 4,500 for the Pharaohs game, and that jumped up by 2,000 for the game against uh, Hungary. Um, you know, that must give the girls um, must, you know, massive um, pleasure, you know, first of all, being able to play at Hamden and see that more people are, are slowly coming along. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's sort of symbolic. I think it's you know, regardless of whether you like Hamden or not, or whether you're from the east or west coast, um, and and the difficulty of getting there, I think, is is a bit of an issue. But I think to me, you know, from as someone from the east who, you know, it can be a bit of a slog getting to Hamden on a Tuesday night. But I actually think when you look at what how the players have reacted to, I think that's actually what's more important. The the players, you know, this is a sign of, you know. The SFA are taking this squad seriously. Uh, the nation, in a sense, are taking this squad seriously, and obviously that that goes to you know Rachel Corsey on, on the front of the stadium as well, which is great to see. So yeah, there was a definite, definite good feel about it in the first game against the Pharaohs, and that even more so I think against Hungary. I mean, I think just that the interesting thing about the Hungary game for me is you know if you look back at the last campaign, that obviously didn't end great things kind of went wrong for us at various points or, you know, late goals conceded or deflections or whatever. And, you know, maybe the maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I think, you know, Rachel Corsi scoring in the 90th minute is a kind of turning of that, of things actually going right for us. So hopefully that builds a bit of positivity uh, with the crowd and also obviously within the squad itself as well, that actually we have turned a corner or thing, things are kind of on the up now, hopefully. I think it's well with... With with the Hamden thing, I found myself at the Scotland-Sweden game. The, the friendly was obviously played at St Mirren Parks, the Smyza, whatever it's called these days. <laughs> Ground scene is named far too often for my liking these days. But I think it was the first time where you had that feeling of the Hamden effect actually being a thing. Um, Scotland playing Sweden, Sweden are a, are a big world name. They are Olympic silver medals. They are a big team in world football women's game and the crowd that day, I mean, the weather was horrible, but the crowd that day wasn't wasn't great. And I think there is a, a Hamden effect. I, I never comment on travel when it comes to Hamden because I literally live 20 minutes walk around the corner. So I'd, <laughs> I I do not I do not pass any judgment on any conversations around that. But I think for me, it is that, that positivity. And I think the SFA need a lot of credit for that as well. Just touching on what you were talking about as well, Stephen. It feels like that same effort and enthusiasm that has gone into the men's team what we're doing over the Euros is really just now starting to transform itself in the women's team as well and obviously we've got a bit of a dual, dual insight on this Friday with obviously the playoff draw as well but I think that the SFA need a lot of credit because they are they are putting the, the effort to do that as well and I think that is so important not just in terms of perception but just maintaining that the positivity that I think I know that I always want to be that way inclined about Scotland, whether whether the, whatever the situation is. So I think that's that's definitely worth a mention as well. Yeah, definitely. The SFA um, um, are actually doing Scotland HQ for the women's game um, the night before the game. Um, so we're recording this on Wednesday, so it'll be tomorrow night um, as we're speaking. So I think that's really good as well because Scotland HQ has been popular for the men's team. So it's good that they're putting that focus on the women's team too. I mean, Hamden is a special place. I mean, regardless of what anybody thinks about it, you know, I mean, you've seen in the, the men's games recently, you know, when it's full and, and, and you know, rocking, it's a great place. And, and actually, if anybody's been on the tour, you kind of know what it's like behind the scenes and the actual quality and, and behind the scenes in terms of for, for players. So the fact that the squad are, are getting that, are getting that level of, of uh, facilities and also getting to play at somewhere that is historical does have that. I guess resonance with, with football fans that this is a special place to play, and you know when I was doing arrival, you know a lot of the players talked about the Jamaica game as being very special for that very reason, and scoring a goal at Hamden was a kind of level above anything else, really. So, it, it, obviously, hopefully, it will it will be a factor, particularly when it comes to the to the Spain game. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think the Friday night game just came in that, that uh, Chris, you obviously mentioned the Sweden attendance not being great. I think the fact um, it wasn't just the Hamden effect, but um, I noticed with the Pharaohs that a lot of people, um, because of school the next day and uh, people have clubs on and things like that, it wasn't as easy to get along. Um, whereas on the Friday night, you saw the upturn of um, a couple of thousands and hopefully we'll see another upturn um, on Friday, although we're talking at the end of November, it might be more challenging. Um but, you know, there definitely is that feel good that we need to um, continue. Um, on to the squad. Um, so the squad was named last week and there's been a couple of changes already. Coincidentally, three Manchester United players, um, Martha Thomas, Kirsty Smith and Kirsty Hansen, all pulled out um, and brought in Lana Cleland, Abby Harrison, Lizzie Arnott and Amy Muir. So still some quality coming into the squad. Yeah, I think, I think so. And I think... Um... I was I was having a look at it and obviously we brought in an extra uh, in terms of the three going out and, and four coming in. I think for me, in terms of where we have maybe not not struggled, but maybe where we've needed another another weapon in our arsenal. I think the, the loss of Kirsty Hansen and Martha Thomas is is not insignificant. Um, I think I'm on record saying this a lot now, so I'm just going to go on record somewhere else and say it. I really rate Martha Thomas. I think she. She has the makings of a complete centre forward. She has a bit of pace. She has a bit of guile about her. Her movement can be really good. And sometimes her finishing maybe lets her down a little bit, but other times it's it's precision-like in the way it can, uh, can split a game. And, and Kirsty Hansen obviously has that bit of X factor. She's very successful down in the WSL. I think she's one of these players that has a, her numbers are maybe hidden because of the fact that she's not one of the glamour names that are down down there, but she is, she's been very successful down there. And I think having not having those two as an option is is a little bit of a blow. Lana obviously was in the squads previously, so I was actually a little bit surprised that she hadn't kind of come in into the squad in the, in the first instance because maybe she hadn't quite had her luck in front of goal, but I thought she was playing a good a good part, particularly when she came on with Martha Thomas to, to kind of jazz things up a little bit up top. Um, and then obviously Abby Harrison coming in as a as a different type of striker, I think, from what we've got available just now. And it's maybe part of the reason why she's been called up. Jane Ross and uh, and Lana are very good at hold up play and very technical and uh, have have decent movement. But Abby's a bit more guts and thunder. We'll we'll kind of run uh, run at them and has that almost like rapier like quality when she's when she's on full form. And I don't know, you Stephen, I know you're obviously have a little bit of an interest in Hibs, but. Um, when when Abby was up here playing in SWPL, she was a, a phenomenon. She was her, her goal scoring record was incredible. I'm, I'm really pleased to see that the injuries that she's kind of been battling back from are are subsided a lot. bit. she's getting a good run of form there at Bristol City just now. Yeah, I mean we we uh, we used to go along and watch uh, Hibs. I guess when they were really pushing uh, Glasgow City for for the league, particularly that year. And I mean Abby Harrison was at the the forefront of that really. And I think. You know, if you look at where Hibs are now, the kind of the the loss of someone like Abby Harrison and that energy and that directness and just ability to score as well. So, I mean, I think I think I would agree with Chris. I think the ones that have gone out are a bit of a blow. Um, but then, you know, if you look at the replacements, it sort of suggests a bit of strength and depth because, as you say, you've got you know experienced heads who have been to the World Cup. You know, and Lizzie Arnott and Lana Clellan coming in. You know, uh, and and who can make a difference in games. And then obviously Abby's Abby's doing great just now uh, down in England. So again, that that's uh, that's good as well. So um, and I think the other, I guess the other one is Lisa Evans as well. Is sort of now back playing quite a lot as well. And I think again that that will really strengthen the squad. I think uh, particularly if she starts this time, um, that that could be a real strong addition to it. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, there, there is a strength and depth there and there are people who, who can come in, um, although, albeit, it's, you know, it's always, a, it's always a bit of a blow to lose players and particularly players of the quality of, uh, of Martha Thomas as well. I think that's I think that's a fair point in terms of this. The, it, it's funny because you, you kind of maybe looked at the squad when the Faroe Islands game came around, and you saw a lot of young players in there. Which you know, I'm big into trying to get young players into the setup, but maybe aren't quite ready to step into the beach into a game like this, for example. But then be able to call back, as you see, Lee Evans now playing regularly. Christy Murray coming back into the squad as well is another huge bonus um, in terms of that midfield area. I think it. The squad does look in a bit more rude, bit ruder health at the moment. And I think that's that's certainly a positive, and the players coming in won't won't affect it too much in that respect. As I said, as Stephen said, they have experience at this level now. They know they know what it takes to to get results at this level. But at the same time, it is a little bit of a blow to lose a couple of those players for sure. Yeah, it's in- it's interesting um, that obviously Lon Davison was in the first squad, um, and uh, you know hasn't um, been kept in this thing. But obviously, there's when you look at the players in there. It's hard to include her because you know of the quality that's in there. But Jenna Clark, to be fair, has done well to stay in that squad because she was one that came on and against Wales and took her chance. You know, getting that dream debut goal again, um, in the opening game, and she's um, had some good performances for Glasgow City. So, you know, it just shows that there's although this is a big game, that there's still room for youngsters to come into the squad and um, and do well if they perform at club level. Yeah, I think for him. I think going back to that idea of being in transition as well, I mean, I think, you know, we've got to have one eye on the next sort of five, ten years as well. And, you know, particularly, I guess, in defence, you know, we've obviously got Rachel Corsi and Jen Beattie there who are are strong. But I guess we need to sort of uh, progress from that and transition at, at some point. So I think there probably has to be an eye on that and seeing people like, like Jenna Clark in there is is great for that because then, then again there's you know there's a potential there but even if someone's not playing in in the sort of I guess key fixtures in the group but if they're as you say playing in other games and and getting the boost from from you know just uh, uh, getting their debut but also scoring and stuff I think that has to be positive again looking a bit further further down the line. Yeah, I think I think that you you touched on kind of what I was going to say there about Jenna as well. Is I think. Jenna in particular is in a, an area of the park where maybe we don't have as much coming through just now in terms of filling in those gaps. I thought Hannah Godfrey when she came in um, a couple of seasons ago was, was really good. She's obviously now playing there at Charlton. I don't see a lot of the championship, but I don't so I don't know how that's pan out for just now. But I think with uh, with Rachel and Jen, they are they are very much an established centre back period. But if you even think about some of the players maybe on the periphery, like Joelle Murray, who had nearly fifty caps, um, is now obviously not not part of the squad now. In that, that is an area of the pitch where. It is important that we bleed the youngsters in. Um, so I think it is good. And I think what Pedro Mateo Lotus said as well is that these players, when they get called into this environment, they're not getting called in for the sake of getting called in. They're getting called in because they have a purpose. They want they want to see these players up close and pers- up close and personal. They want to see them in this new high performance environment that um, has been very much the kind of buzz phrase in a lot of conversations I've had about Scotland camp now. And I think that's that's something that can only benefit players like Jenna and, and Amy Muir, who's obviously come in as well from, from, from the SDP, one of the younger players too. So the first game, obviously, is um, on Friday night against Ukraine. Um, so Ukraine are ranked 31st in the world um, and 20th in the FIFA in the UEFA list. Um, they've had um, a complete mixed bag from their doubleheader in October. Um, 4 0 went at home to the Faroe Islands, not unexpected. But um, they were hammered 6-0 by Spain, who we'll obviously touch on later. Um, that was a, um, a bit of a hammer. And they also lost the Euro playoff to Northern Ireland, um, you know, for um, 
you know, you're, the delays at Euro 2021. So, um, you know, on paper, there'll be a harder side than Hungary and uh, Pharaohs. But what are we expecting from this um, Ukraine team? I think they have been very hit and miss. I mean, that's, that's the thing about them. I mean, I watched both of those playoff games against Northern Ireland and kind of Northern Ireland were, were fairly comfortable for a, a lot a lot of that, that those two ties and obviously got, got through past them rel- relatively easily. So I think it depends kind of what, what Ukraine turns up. I mean, I, I think if we've got ambitions to, well, whether your ambitions are to win the group or even come second, I think, to me, it's a kind of must win. I think basically every game apart from Spain, setting Spain aside just now is is kind of a must win and particularly at home as well, I think. And as you said, you look at you look at their results and particularly the result against Spain, then it kind of does give you a bit of optimism that Scotland at Hamden uh, can go out and, and take take another three points and get into that Spain game with, with 12 points uh, under their belt. I think it's... Uh... I think it's a, it's, it's, I think it's a Ukraine squad that's in a similar tra- similar transition to Scotland at the moment. I think that they are maybe further down the need to regenerate than we we got. I think is maybe a, a good way of describing it. They've obviously brought in uh, the former Barcelona head coach Luis Cortes as, as a new international manager, which took me by surprise. I, I was not expecting him to turn up as the next manager of the Ukraine women's national team, but there here we are, and that's he has. So he will definitely be a man with his own ideas, hugely successful in the women's game as a, as a club coach. But I think he's taken on a very different ta- challenge with the Ukraine in terms of what he needs to do and how, whether he can implement his ideas into that into that squad. We obviously played them in the Penitar Cup as well um, before before the madness, and we beat them quite quite comfortably uh, that day. But yeah, I, I take those those Northern Ireland games as a, as a good reference point because you're right, Stephen. I thought they were pretty pretty disappointing, Northern Ireland did the job that they needed to do and looked pretty comfortable in doing it. And I think the results since then suggest that they are still very much a side that are looking to regenerate a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see with only maybe a couple of weeks in the job under his belt, whether that's a regeneration that has come to fruition yet or whether we are going to be catching them at a good time for us to try and knock knock, knock ourselves four, four wins out of four. But also, perhaps more importantly, put us nine points clear of Ukraine, even though they have a game in hand and that, that's a huge, huge advantage to have at this stage. Yeah, definitely, especially when we've got um, you know three away games to come up in the last four. Um, so it'd be so vital to win this game, um, and especially given that the first of those away games happens to be run away. Well, I was, was going to say runaway group leader of Spain, but they're on the same points as us. They've just scored a lot more goals <laughs> than us. Um, you know, they've got a plus twenty three goal difference. Uh, Ten nil away to Fairlands, seven nil away to Hungary, six nil away to Ukraine. They've not even played a home game yet. Although they're about to play Faroe Islands before they play us, um, they've got them. Um, they're sitting tenth in the FIFA World Rankings. They're sixth in the UEFA list. They've got ten players from a Barcelona team who won the Champions League last season. They've got a striker in Jennifer Hermosa who scored eighty-two caps. Sorry, who scored forty-seven goals in eighty-two caps. But the last time we played Spain, we beat them in the Euro twenty seventeen. So not all's lost. That, that, that was going to that was going to be my opening that was going to be my opening gambit of we we were there that night in Deventer of the Euro oh, so fantastic. <laughs> that didn't uh, saw that one 0 win not not quite enough in usual Scotland style but yeah I mean the the the, the figures and the stats you read out there are pretty frightening really and I think you know twenty three goals for none against in three away games is is kind of you you couldn't really get much better form than that so and I think. I think right from the off, we kind of knew that Spain was going to be the team that was going to be the biggest challenge. And 
again, you know, again, there's two, there's two schools of thoughts and I sort of, you know, part of me is just like get the better of all the other teams in the group, get that second place. So you've at least guaranteed a, a playoff. And, and particularly if you do well in those things, you can, you can be kind of seeded in that playoff and, and get an advantage there. And, and Spain, I mean, given their results so far, you're already looking at you kind of have to get the better of them in the in the two games. You know, it's not going to be a win one win for them, one for us is probably not going to cut it, given their goal difference. You know, so I think uh, I, I think it's going to be a very very tough challenge. I think you know, and particularly away from home. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, formidable. I think they are even from 2017. 2019 World Cup, we can even reference they were obviously there as well and we got knocked out by the USA, but that day they probably had the better of the USA that day, they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net and obviously the US got two penalties and they obviously went on to win that tournament that year, but this is a different Spain, this is, uh, you referenced the Barcelona squad, I mean the one player we haven't touched on yet is Alexia Patelas, who is on another planet just now in terms of, of football. I was speaking to somebody um, about the Spanish national team for something that I've been working on obviously for this week as well. And she referenced uh, she referenced Kim Little as Alexia's Kim Little, but Kim Little just up um, at the moment. And I think you can see that just with the performances for Barcelona in the Champions League just now as well. It's um it's tough. Spain have three players nominated for the best women's player in the world this year. All three of them will be Featuring, I'm sure, come Tuesday night, and Alexia Patiaris, Jennifer Hermoso, who you mentioned as well, and Aitana, all three play for Barcelona. And it was an interesting conversation because one of the things that did did come up was the fact that this is a team that's maybe led by the players more than the coach. It's a, it's a philosophy team. It's a team that's embedded that, very similar to the men's team in like 2010, 2012, in terms of they've embedded the Barcelona philosophy into this national team. And I think the big thing for them now compared with when we faced them in 2017 and even looking at the 2019 World Cup is they have now found a way to add goals to it. It seems like a, a team that enjoys playing their football and that is quite a dangerous proposition when it's a, a team with that that many good players in it. But, you know, we're, we're in the game. It's a game with two teams in it and you never know what can happen. Exactly. Can you go, Stephen? I was going to say, I think this is where I guess if, if I do have a worry of the campaign so far, it is those kind of occasional lapses. So the goal against the Pharaohs, the goal against Hungary, you know, and and OK, it might have been because of the opposition that, that night. But I think, you know, against a Spain, you're, you're not going to get away with anything, really. So the, any, any kind of la- minor lapse like that, I think they, they will punish us. And so I think that's a, that's probably a, at the back of my mind is a is a slight concern, but I mean, as as Chris said, it's a kind of it is, it is a one off, you know, and and it's football, so who knows what happens? And you know, we have got a lot of experienced heads in in that uh, in that squad who have you know who have been there and been at World Cups and been at Euros, so c- kind of know. Uh, but I think a lot of it will will be about how how we set up and how we how we play and and actually can we cut out those sort of minor lapses uh, across ninety minutes and 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 not get punished for them. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, I, you just wonder what the team's going to be like. So in the last game, uh, the, um, the game against Hungary, sorry, uh, the team was uh, Leon Alexander, Rachel McLaughlin, Rachel Corsi, Jane Beattie, um, Mick Doherty, um, Lisa Robertson, Caroline Weir, um, Christy Grimshaw, Ern Cuthbert, um, Claire Emsley and Jane Ross. Do you think on Friday there'll be any change to that? Um. 
I think the defensive five are pretty much set at the moment. I think especially Kirsty Smith not being available. I think that that kind of takes the decision out of Pedro's hands a little bit in terms of the the back five. Yeah, I think obviously you'll see Caroline start. You'll see, I think you see Claire and Aaron start as well. I think you see Christy. Christy, I think one of the few players of the new crop that's played in every game underneath Pedro Martinez also so far. She's had a pretty whirlwind start. And I think she definitely brings something. I think it'll be interesting to see who plays in that for one of a better term, the Leanne Creighton role. That I think maybe we still haven't quite nailed down in in the team. Um, obviously, Chloe Arthur's played that way. Um, Lisa Robertson's played can play there as well. Christy Murray as well, she's naturally a bit more further forward, but she has dropped back a little bit as well for Scotland. So um, I think that's maybe my only question just now is maybe who fills, who makes the third the third mid- midfield spot. But I thought Lucy Graham, when she came in against Sweden, actually had a, a very good game kind of sitting at, the, sitting at the pivot. And I think having her there actually stopped Caroline Weir coming back as much for the ball, um, even though Sweden was a very difficult test. Um, I think you saw it at the weekend in the WSL with the, the goal she scored against Aston Villa. Having Caroline Weir closer to the goal than far away from it was, it was certainly a, be a benefit of Scotland, particularly against uh, Ukraine coming this Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's whether it's whether there's there's space there for Christy Murray or or even someone like Lisa Evans to maybe he tweaks it a little to to get that sort of level of experience and quality in. Um, but I think it probably will be fairly similar. I think to certainly the the starting lineup to what it was a, was against Hungary, um, and I, and there there are a lot of options there off the bench as again in Hungary, you know, others came on. So I think there there definitely are options there. But it'll be interesting again the Spain game how how he sets that up and whether whether he, he decides to kind of just be defensive and go for the, go for the draw or, or you know or 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 how I'm not I'm not quite sure, but. Do you think um, we need to see more from Jane Ross? Because also at club level, she's been superb this season with Rangers off to a flyer. But um, in the three games, she's still as a lover goal. No hold-up play's been good. But um, do you think we could um, expect more, um, given that we may only get one chance in Spain and we may only get a couple against the Ukraine? Um, I think... I think it, it depends how Scotland line up. I think what Jane does, we talked to Jane Royce holds the ball up very well and she does, she creates space for people that you don't see, if that, if that makes sense. So she does, she does run intelligently. Um, and I think if you think about the players that are behind her in terms of Claire Emsley and Cuthbert, Caroline, let's just say it's those three for argument's sake, um, especially Erin and, and Caroline, who, but although Erin played a little bit deeper, almost in the kind of Chelsea role that she plays, she plays sometimes underneath Emma Hayes against Sweden. Um, I think you need a pivot. You need somebody that can keep make the ball stick. And at any day, like, yeah, maybe Jane hasn't put the ball away for Scotland, but I don't think she's had tons of chances in the, in the game recently. And she still is like our second top goal scorer. Well, third top goal scorer of all time. Second top? Mm-hmm. Third top. She's, she's up there anyway. Um, so I think, I think it, she might not start. I think that's a possibility. But I think if she does start, you know what you get from Jane Ross. You get, you get that endeavour, you get that hold up play and you get those runs that free up the space for somebody like a Claire Emsley or Aaron Cuthbert to run into and, and generate the shots that way around. Yeah, I mean, I think possession will be key, particularly in the Spain game. I think, you know, there, there's the, the Scotland going upfield is, is going to be probably a lot rarer than it has been in the first three games and probably on Friday night as well. So holding on to that ball and not giving it away cheaply and not not just facing sort of wave after wave of, of Spanish attack, I think, is going to be important. So, 
I think someone like Jane has obviously got that experience and got that intelligence, like Chris says, to hold the ball up and and to just take a bit of the pressure off off you know what what will probably will be feel a bit relentless at times in terms of Spain coming forward. So there's definitely a role she could play there. I think. Yeah, definitely, and um, you know, I hope she brings her um her club level form um to the national team. But she's certainly um going to be a big player over the two games, um, providing she starts, of course. So we ran a poll on Twitter, so that our, um, well, I ran it through my um Twitter page. So thanks everyone who has put their votes in as to how many points that we think we'll get. So uh, the seven eight people who have voted, um, only fourteen percent say we will get less than two two points or less. So. 14% think we won't win a game. Um, 46% unsurprisingly think we'll get three out of six. 22% are reasonably optimistic saying that we'll get four. And 18% are very optimistic thinking we'll get the maximum six points. Gentlemen, over to you um, very quickly before we end. Um, what's your predictions for the games? Who's going to go first? I'll go first. I, uh, I, I think we will win on Friday night against Ukraine. I hope it's not as nervy as Hungary, although the entertainment value in that would probably be quite good. Um, but I think uh, I think we, we have it in our lockers to beat Ukraine and we should be shooting to do that. And if we don't, I'll be disappointed because I think if we go to Spain, I think the big thing for the Spain game for me is it doesn't, whatever happens with the result, say we get beat, which is, this is probability says we, we probably will. We might get a point. That'd be amazing. That'd be a fantastic way to, to kind of continue the momentum. But if we do get beat, it's making sure that it's a, a performance that doesn't doesn't start to burnish something that actually started to shine up quite nice at the moment. Um, and I think that I think that's a big thing for me, the, the Spain result. So I I think three points from these two games would be fantastic. Um, and I think it keeps us well in control in, that, in terms of that playoff place. And I think that's that's our realistic target at the moment uh, in terms of this group. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree with that. I mean, I think with my sensible head on, I think, you know, I think we'll probably get get the better of U- Ukraine, hopefully not as nervy as Hungary. I don't, although it was a good finish, I'd rather have a sort of nice, comfortable uh, run into the to the final whistle. Um, Spain, I mean, I think, I think it'll be difficult and I think that to, to get anything from there, I think will be extremely difficult. But you know, with the, the, I'm, I'm glad there's a few optimistic people who think we're going to win. I think, I think to be honest, the best we can probably get out of there is, as Chris says, is to, is to get a draw. Uh, if we came away with a point from that, uh, and then it kind of would probably lead into a decider at, at Hamden against Spain. I mean, I think that's probably the best that Scotland can kind of hope from this group. But again, I go back to the the second place. You know, the playoff, as we've seen with the men's team, there there are routes to tournaments. So you don't necessarily have to win the group. So I think you know if we can if we can make sure against everybody apart from Spain that 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 we do the business, then I think I think we'll be in a good position. Yeah, anything we get against Spain would be a nice bonus. A point would be fantastic. Um, a win would be incredible. But realistically, I think we'll get um, three points on Friday. And- come away from Spain with uh, nothing but hopefully a bit of pride um, and just to round off gentlemen so you have been kind enough to come on and thank you very much um, Chris first of all um, tell us where people can uh, tell us a little bit about Leading the Line and uh, where people can find it yeah so Leading the Line uh, podcast primarily a podcast 
uh, time doesn't seem to allow me to do much else other than the podcast uh, these days um, that covers Scottish women's football so usually focuses on domestic game but obviously Scotland games are very important too and um, we have got a podcast coming out this week as well with a Spanish football journalist talking about the national team in a bit more depth as well so keep a wee eye out for that but yeah at Leading the Line on your social platforms uh, there you go and Stephen um, Christmas is coming up you've still got your book out where can people um, buy Arrival? Yeah, Arrival is still still available for sale through all the all the usual outlets, uh, Amazon, etc. It should be in a few bookshops. It's in W. H. Smiths as well. But yeah, you can you can get it online at all the usual uh, outlets. And obviously, it's the story of uh, the the last two qualifications for for both the Euros and the World Cup. So uh, hopefully, it's a is a good read and a, a good uplifting read go, going into these games. I would recommend it. I would I, I would recommend that somebody has read it. So yes, that's no worries at all. Yes, I've asked Santa for it. Well, let's see what he delivers. Um, but anyway, thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, your input has been fantastic. You know a lot more than me about the women's game, so it's been a nice education from that point of view. And um, no, thank you, everyone else, for listening. And good luck to the Scotland women's team on Friday night and Tuesday.